Good morning and a very warm welcome to our podcast and phone service for today, Sunday the 18th of September. And our service comes live from Drung Church uh, last week, where we were looking at Revelation chapters 10 to 11 and seeing the need for the church to bear witness. So I'll hand you over to that service now. Good morning. A very warm welcome to Drung Church this morning on this wet day. It's great to be with you, to be able to sing God's praise. Welcome to our choir. It's great to have you with us as well this morning. Um, And we're going to begin with a great harvest hymn. It's harvest time and this opening hymn, Come Ye Thankful People Come, fits in with our theme in Revelation as well of that theme of God's harvest where God will gather his people in free from sorrow, free from sin. Let's uh, remain standing and sing together.
have come, raise the glorious harvest home. Please do be seated as Elizabeth comes to bring our reading for us, our first reading. And children, I'd like you to listen for what John is given to eat and what does it taste like. So listen carefully. He's given something to eat and what does it taste like. Thank you, Elizabeth. Our first reading from Revelations, chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay, but that in the days of the trumpet called to be sound by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the stroll, scroll that is open in the hand of the angel, who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter. But in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must sign prophecy about many peoples and nations, languages and kings. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Elizabeth, for reading for us. Uh, how, what was it that John was given to eat? Did anyone spot what John was given to eat? What was, yep, a scroll. And what did it taste like? It was sweet like honey. Well, you'll have to ask the grown-ups later what that means, but it does mean something of the fact that the good, this word is good news, that there's forgiveness available, that God is a forgiving God, that when we come to him and say sorry because of Jesus, he forgives us. And so it's a wonderful encouragement for us, isn't it? Not to be uh, standoffish, not to stay away from God, but to come to him and say sorry because there's good news of forgiveness. So let's come to him now in the words of the confession on page one of the service card. Together we pray. Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, by what we have done and by what we have failed to do. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, 
and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. It is a sweet message of forgiveness that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so I can pray with confidence, Almighty God who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy on us, pardon and deliver us from all our sins, confirm and strengthen us in all goodness and keep us in eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please would you stand to join in the responses on page two. O Lord, open our lips. O God, make speed to save us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. We're going to praise his name in our all-age song, The Lord is King. It's a, a, a song for today, isn't it? For this world. You might have seen bad things happening on the TV news, but it reassures us, just as the book of Revelation does, that the Lord is King. He's going to look after everything. Let's remain standing and sing together. And Dorothy's going to help us sing this. Forever. 
Please do be seated as we turn to the Lord as King and uh, turn in prayer to that Lord. It's a wonderful privilege that we can come to him as Father. And so we're going to turn in the words of the Lord's Prayer and pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. We continue in prayer. Sovereign Lord, we're saddened this week by the death of Queen Elizabeth II. Thank you for her long and faithful service, for her sense of humour, and for all the good that she did. We thank you especially for her faith in you and her courage in pointing people to the Saviour that she trusted in. Please comfort her family at this time that because of her faith in Jesus, she will be raised from the dead and enjoy eternal life with you. Please may all her family come to follow her example of trust in you so that they may share in her certain hope. Lord, in your mercy. Loving Lord, we're also sad this week at the tragic deaths of the twins Christy and Chelsea and their older sister Lisa. Our world is broken. We do see bad things happening on the TV news. And we pray for your comfort among the pain and for your light in the dark world. We cry to you, how long until you judge the earth? We long for the day when Jesus will return to put right all the wrong. Please help the family and friends of these three siblings at this hard time. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, we pray for the What's the Story mission that will be happening across Ireland this autumn. We thank you for all the hard work that's gone into researching the big six questions that people have and for all the videos that have been so well produced to help to engage with these questions and to provide answers. We pray people would find hope and answers to their big questions by coming to know you through our Saviour Jesus Christ this autumn, we pray. Lord, in your mercy. Sovereign Lord, we thank you for significant victories for Ukraine this week. Thank you for the liberation of many settlements east of Kharkiv. We pray that the Russians will be severely set back by these losses and will lose heart and stop fighting. Thank you as well for looking after Vitaly and Veronica's son, who was born prematurely. Thank you that he's now in a stable condition. Please be close to Kirill and his parents. May you give them strength in this hard time, separated from their little son. We continue to pray for the church to be a faithful witness across Ukraine and for many to turn to you. Lord, in your mercy. And closer to home, we remember others we know who are suffering or grieving at this time. Remembering this morning Jackie Crow. Please be near him and help him. Please be with Anne and Leon Briardy and Olive Simmons, with Lucy Roberts, with David Riley, Maria Turnan, Abby McDowell. And this week, 
Uh, we remember especially those grieving the, the anniversary of, of John Adams and also the anniversary of Ronnie McLean. We pray for your comfort. In a moment of quiet, any others we know who are sick or grieving at this time. Lord, you've promised your people, fear not, for I am with you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. May each person suffering know you are with them. We pray for your healing for those unwell, for your comfort for those who are grieving, and for your grace to be sufficient for each one. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And the collect the special prayer for this Sunday. Almighty God, who called your church to bear witness that you were in Christ reconciling the world to yourself. Help us to proclaim the good news of your love, that all who hear it may be drawn to you through him who was lifted up on the cross and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We close our prayers by joining together in the second collect for morning prayer on page five of the service card. Together we pray. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, we give you thanks for bringing us safely to this day. Keep us from falling into sin or running into danger, and in all things guide us to know and do your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, at this point in the service, we had some announcements, which I'll let you listen in, into uh, this week, because there's... Uh, important news about um, what's coming up um, and uh, one that's not announced there is that In Touch is happening this Thursday the 22nd of September from 3.30 till 5pm in the rectory. I'll hand back to the service. Um, and also getting back to normal I've produced a term card it's been over uh, two years I think since I've produced one of these so it's taken a while but I've got that uh, and in that there's some good news there's a lot of good news but on the back page, you'll see news about a, a new couple, Warren and Annalise Humphreys, who are moving to the parish. That well, They're going to be living in Cootill, in the rectory in Cootill, um, helping out there and helping out here. I suppose I'm going to be uh, sort of supervising uh, them in their roles here. Uh, they love animals, and there's a photo of them there with ducks. There'll be something on the, the website later, so do post a welcome comment to them to say welcome to them. They're going to be helping in Cootill, in Drung, and in the diocese with children and youth work. Um, so he's from England and she's from California and they're only just married in August so do be praying for them and uh, there's news about them on the front there's information about what's the story which is this mission happening across the Republic of Ireland this autumn and there's six big questions that we're going to be engaging with and that there's videos there six big questions that have been identified are these God is anybody there number two guilt and shame will I ever be good enough Number three, identity. Does my life really have purpose? Number four, is there hope in the face of death? Number five, Christianity, part of the problem or the solution? And then lastly, can we make sense of our suffering? They're the big questions people are asking in Ireland today, according to this survey that's been done. And there's a website. The videos will be released, I think, a week at a time, engaging with those questions. And uh, you'll see inside when we're going to be dealing with those questions on Sunday mornings. So do make use of that. Feel free to invite others along to come and, and join us. Uh, and then on the back of the, the, the card, you'll see all the other dates of things coming up. 
we have moved our harvest to the 23rd of October. I was told a number of people were away at the beginning of October. So uh, we've moved our harvest to the 23rd of October. I do hope that suits everyone. Please let me know. Um, but that, that's the plan to move it to, to the 23rd of October. Our second reading is from Revelations chapter 11. Then I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. But do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. And I grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, cloth in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he doomed to be killed. They have the power to shut the sky that no rain may fall during the days of the prophesying. And they have the power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and concord them and kill them. And their bodies will lie in the street of the great city that symbolically is called Sodom and Egypt, where the Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents. Because these two prophets have been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. But after the three and a half days of a breath of life from God entered them, and they stood up on their feet, and a great fear fell on those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies watched them. And at that hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. Seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified, and give glory to God of heaven. The second woe has passed. Behold, the third woe is soon to come. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of Christ, and he shall reign for ever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sat on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you has taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead is to be judged, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was open, and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumbling peals of thunder, an earthquake and heavy hail. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Elizabeth, for reading for us uh, so clearly. 
Uh, we're going to stand and affirm our faith together in the words of the Apostles' Creed. So please do stand and let's join together. Together we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please do be seated. And uh, if you've got that passage open there, Revelation 10, that'll be a great help. Uh, Revelation 10 and 11. And let's pray for God's help as we look at his word. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word and we pray you'd help us to pay attention this morning to your word and to see wonderful things. In Jesus' name, amen. What do you do at half time, uh, whether it's a football game or whatever it might be? Maybe you're playing or maybe you're watching. If you're playing, you, you, you need to regroup and take stock and, and work out what you're doing. What about if you're watching? I remember when I was at school, uh, someone from my, my class, uh, he went to see Manchester United, that was his team, a big supporter of theirs, but nothing had happened in the first half, and so, you know, five minutes to go, he thought, I'll beat the queues, and he went to go and get his chips, and he went to get the chips, and as he was queuing up, there were others there who had done the same, as he was queuing up, he kept hearing these, these shouts, these roars, uh, three times it happened, and sure enough, Manchester United had scored three times in the time he'd gone to go and get his chips. What do you do at half-time? It's a time to get chips, but it's a time, isn't it, to think about what's just happened, and if you're a player, to think, well, what can we do differently to, to make things better? How can we keep going? If you want it in farming terms, it's a bit like after you've uh, cut the silage, there's a pause, isn't there, before you spread the slurry. And here in Revelation chapter 10 to 11 is a bit of a pause after the horror that we had last week in chapters 8 and 9 of the, the seven trumpets, the horror of God's judgment on the world. And it's a chance for the church to come together and say, well, what should we be doing in the light of all this judgment? What should the church be doing? And the answer in these two chapters is that the church is to be proclaiming God's word of the only hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Well, how are we getting on in the drunk group, in drunk in particular? Do you remember the dreaded report card that you used to get at school? Uncomfortable truths, as grades were handed out, as you were told, could do better. What grade would Jesus give us for our witness? What grade would he give Queen Elizabeth for her witness? Wasn't she a wonderful witness? Whatever you think of her, uh, almost every year at her Christmas message, she would point people to her saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world. She spoke of God sending his saviour into the world. What is it that stops us from being witnesses for Jesus? 
It might be a doubt about the message. It might be we don't want to be judgmental. But I suspect for me and for many, it's fear, isn't it? Fear of what people might think of us. Fear about what people might say about us. And that is why we need this book of Revelation. The book of Revelation that tells us who to fear and promises his protection. And in chapter 10 we get this vision of an angel that gives us perspective. He's a mighty angel and he's just the messenger. Do you see how great he is in verse 1? He's uh, wrapped in a cloud and his legs are like pillars of fire. Now like so much of Revelation, this is imagery from the Old Testament. Do you remember when they were on their way to the promised land? God was with them in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And so here is a, a picture of God being with his church, with John, at this time. The rainbow speaks of God's glory and his salvation that's available for those who take him at his word, just as Noah did. And look at the power of this angel, the messenger, the authority of this messenger. Uh, Liz Truss has just been sworn in as the Prime Minister in the UK, and I've not seen her do it, but a number of the Conservative leaders, and if you Google it, you can see power stance, Conservative leaders or something like that. And you'll see them, and I don't know who's coached them, but they, they stand in this uh, almost ridiculous wide stance with their hands on their hips, and it's meant to give them authority. It's meant to present uh, power and authority. Well, what about the power stance of this angel? Here he is, and this is more than any conservative leader could do. Wider than they could stretch their legs. He's got a, his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. Here, it, he, this angel is so mighty that he's standing on the earth. And he's got a message for the whole world. It's a universal message for all sea and land. And this is just the messenger. This gives us perspective. He speaks with a loud voice in verse 3, like a lion roaring. And again from the Old Testament, that's a, a warning. God's judgment is coming. And when he called out, seven thunders sounded. Will these be more devastating? We've had the seven seals where a third of the earth was wiped out. Uh, no, a quarter. And the seven trumpets where a third. What's, what's going to happen with the seven, seven uh, where are we, seven um, thunders? What's going to happen? Well, we're not told. It's hidden. He's told not to write it down. And it's a reminder, isn't it, that we're not told everything. God is God and we're not. We're told what we need to know. That's always been the way with God. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 29, we're told that the, the hidden things belong to God, but the revealed things are for us and for our children so that we may obey. Our job, having been told what we need to know, is to make it known to others. And that's what John's told to do in verse 8. He's told to take the scroll, and in verse 9 he's to eat it, and it's going to make his stomach bitter, but in his mouth it'll be sweet as honey. What is that all about? Well, again, it's an image from the Old Testament where the prophet Ezekiel is given a scroll to eat, and it will taste sweet like honey, he's told, but it contained words of lamentation, of woe, of judgment for Israel. And so he was to take this, this lovely message, but to give it to Israel, and it would be bitter. It was a hard message. And John is told, take this scroll, take this message, this word, 
It'll be sweet in your mouth, but bitter. Why? Well, it's a bit like the hymn. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes our sorrows, heals our wounds, and drives away our fear. It's a wonderful name, isn't it, Jesus? It's a wonderful message. Here is news that we heard at the beginning of Revelation that we can be friends with God, to him who loves us, a God who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood. It's a wonderful message of peace with God, of forgiveness, knowing the one who made you, knowing he's in control. It's a wonderful message. It's sweet. But if you've ever tried sharing it with anyone, you'll know it can be bitter because it's also a message that Jesus is king and you're not. That Jesus is king and I'm not. And that if we've not treated him as king, that we need to repent and turn around. And so it's a message also of judgment that, it, that is hard. And as we share that and as people reject it, isn't it bitter? As we think about what people are facing who don't know Jesus, this judgment that is coming, it's a bitter word. It's sweet, it's beautiful, but it's bitter at the same time. It's a bittersweet message that must be shared, John is told in verse 11, chapter 10, verse 11. You must again prophesy, you must again speak my word, John. And not just John, but the church in every generation. And what should we expect as we do this, as we share this message with others? Well, chapter 11 tells us to expect three things. To expect refuge in God, ridicule from the world, and rescue. Refuge, first of all, just as, just as we saw back in chapter 7, where God sealed his people. Do you remember? He marked them out. He said that anyone who's turned to Jesus, the lamb, as he's described in Revelation, the one who was slain, anyone that's turned to him will be safe, sealed with the Holy Spirit. And here the images of measuring and the temple of God is the people of God. In the New Testament, we're told that the believer is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so here is God marking his people out, giving them refuge. Uh, today is probably a day for lighting the fire, isn't it? It's a wet day. It's, uh, it's probably going to get cooler. It's the season for starting to light the fire. And have you ever had that experience where you've gone to light it and you've, you've gone to light, light it and, and the match won't, won't light and you look at it and you realise, oh, someone's already used that one and they've put it back in the box. It's been struck already, it won't light again. And it's a bit like that with Jesus. He was struck for you and for me so that we cannot be struck. He's already been struck. He's taken the judgment of God on himself so that you and I can be totally forgiven, marked at his, measured as one of his refuge, safety. But as we bear witness... We will expect ridicule, as we see in verse 2. This trampling of the holy city for 42 months. Surrounding God's people is trampling. It doesn't feel nice to be trampled on. Here is ridicule from the world. How long will it go on? Well, for 42 months. What does that mean? Well, like most of these numbers in Revelation, they're symbolic. And 42 years means a limited period of time while we wait for the promised land of heaven. 
the time between Jesus' ascension and return. Why, why 42 months? Well, do you remember when God's people were in the wilderness as they were on their way to the promised land? How long was that for? It was for 40 years plus two. They spent two years before they disobeyed God and then they had to wander for 40 years. That's 42 on the journey to the promised land. 42 years of suffering, of wandering, and then the promised land. Or 42 months is also, what is that in years? Three and a half years. Which is the length of time that Elijah spent in the wilderness when he was looked after by God. He was fed by the ravens and he was looked after by God in a time of judgment on the world, on King Ahab, as there was drought on the land. God protected Elijah. And that number three and a half is it's the same as 42 months. It's going to come up in these coming chapters in Revelation of a time, times and half a time, which means three and a half a time. Times is two and a half, three and a half. Or 1,260 days. What's 42 months in days? Well, if you're using the old calendar, it was 30 days in a month, so 30 times 42 is 1,260 days, which, again, we're going to see in these coming chapters. It's a time for persecution of God's people, but also for witness. The two are going on all this time, do you see in verse 3? And I will grant authority to my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1,260 days. There's that number. They're going to speak for the same period of time as the trampling is happening. It's a time of persecution and a time of witness for these two witnesses. Well, who are they? People have scratched their heads over this one and had all sorts of ideas, but verse 4 tells us, thankfully, who they are. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands. The two olive trees is a, is a picture from the Old Testament, but the two lampstands is a picture from the beginning of Revelation, where we were told that the lampstands are the churches. So Jesus has told us who the lampstands are, they're the churches. And why two? Well, because in the Old Testament, you needed two witnesses to prove the truthfulness of something. So here is the church bearing witness for Jesus. The church is to be the light for the world, pointing people to Jesus and calling people to repent. That's why they're clothed in sackcloth. That's an image for repentance. The church's role is to call people to repent, to turn back to Jesus as King. And it's a powerful message as we see in verses 5 and 6. If anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. They have the power to shut the sky that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying, and they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. Again, it's picture language, because in 2,000 years of church history, there have been some fiery preachers, but I've never known one that could actually breathe fire, have you? Never come across one that could breathe fire? But Elijah did call down fire from heaven. And Moses did speak and the water turned into blood. And Elijah did speak and there was drought. And so here is picture language for God's protection on his people and judgment 
on those who oppose the message. Judgment on the world that opposes the church. Judgment will fall on those who oppose. Yes, there'll be ridicule. And in fact, it may even look like defeat. Do you see how bad it gets in verse 7? When they've finished their testimony, they'll be able to finish. The church will finish her testimony. Just as Stephen, do you remember the, 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 the man who gave his testimony in Acts chapter 7? He spoke and he finished his testimony and then they killed him. He was stoned. And so the church will, will finish her testimony. But verse 7, when they've finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. That's pretty bad, isn't it? It looks pretty bad. And as John was writing this, as John was seeing this and writing it down, no doubt he was thinking of the Roman Empire being the beast. As he saw his friends, almost all of the apostles, killed for their testimony about Jesus. He himself is writing from prison, locked up because of his testimony about Jesus. The beast is ravaging against the church. And throughout church history, there have been other beasts ravaging the church. Sometimes it has looked like the church has been totally defeated. Think of China. In the 1960s, Mao announced that Christianity was dead. He'd ended it. He'd killed it. And they rejoiced over it. A bit like verse 10. Do you see verse 10? Those who dwell on the earth, remember we saw last week, that's the, those who oppose God who live only for this world will rejoice over them, rejoice over their death and make merry and exchange presents because these two prophets have been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. They're giving presents, celebrating that the church has been wiped out. The witness has been destroyed as Mao thought. But what's happened to the church in China? It's bigger than ever. Millions of people believe in Jesus and worship him as king in China today. Which is a bit like verse 11, isn't it? But after three and a half days, that's a shorter period of time, a breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. A resurrection of the church that had died. It looked like it had died in China, but it's been raised. Ridicule, but God will rescue. God will rescue and judge. He will vindicate his church. Do you see in verse 12, they're, they're, the church is raised up, their enemies watch them. And then verse 13, there was a great earthquake, judgment. A tenth of the city fell. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. Last week we ended on a bit of a depressing note because we saw at the end of chapter 9 that after all the plagues and the judgment that came, the rest did not repent. As they saw the plagues and the war and the rising prices, they did not repent. And don't you see that in the world today? We've had two years of plagues, war, crisis in the climate, prices skyrocketing fears over the winter, and a refusal to repent. But look what happens at the end of chapter 11. After the witness of the church, the faithful witness of the church, proclaiming God's word, 
to the world, look what happens. To the rest, it's the same word, but it's, it's different this time. The rest at the end of verse 13 were terrified, that is, they feared God, and gave glory to the God of heaven. That's the right response to God, isn't it? Here, it's worth witnessing because many turned as a result of the witness of the church. Many turned and gave glory and got to enjoy the seventh trumpet when God will reign once again, rewarding his servants, those who fear his name. Verse 18. So it is worth being a faithful witness. Well, to come back to the question we began with, how are we getting on? Well, let's not look back, but let's look forward. Let's look forward to the opportunities in 2022, this unique opportunity with what's the story? A lot of work has gone into this. Wonderful videos produced answering these questions that you could share with others online. Share them on your Facebook page. Share them with others. Send the message to people. Why not pray about who you could invite to church? You can see when we're looking at the different questions in church. And invite someone to come along. Make the most of this opportunity to bear witness about our Lord Jesus Christ uh, this autumn. Wonderfully, the collect for today fitted in so well with what we're looking at, and I thought it would be a great way for us to finish by praying it together, to make this our prayer uh, today. So why don't you take the service sheet and turn to the front page, and we're going to pray this prayer together. Together we pray. Almighty God, who called your church to bear witness that you were in Christ reconciling the world to yourself, Help us to proclaim the good news of your love, that all who hear it may be drawn to you through him who was lifted up on the cross and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, we're going to sing of this good news, this sweet news we have to proclaim, the gospel we have to proclaim, and the help that God gives us, as the fifth verse tells us. He sends his spirit on his church to live for him, the lamb who died. Let's stand and sing together, 491. have a gospel to
tell his words. Well, as we remain standing, let's close with the words of the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.